Hi everyone, I'm Amy. And I'm Vince. And you're listening to The Grid is for Squares, a podcast where we spark up a bowl and talk about building a sustainable off-the-grid property. It's something we've been planning for a while, and whenever we talk about it, people seem really interested, so I thought maybe it would be worth doing a podcast about it. Today we are smoking sour diesel, and since this is the very first episode, I figured we should fill you in on exactly who we are, what we want, and why we want it. Then in future episodes, we can catch you up on where we're actually at, the progress we've made, all of that good stuff. So first off, we are in our early 30s. We're married. Uh, we just had our five-year anniversary a few weeks ago, which is super weird, and time goes crazy fast. <laughs> and we live in Los Angeles. Well, we're from the Midwest originally. I grew up in the small town of Blue Mounds, Wisconsin. It's close to Madison. And Amy's from a suburb of Minneapolis. We met in the uh, magical little college town of Madison, Wisconsin, despite neither of us actually going to college there. Um, I'm a writer. I wanted to write for TV. Um, I got an MFA in playwriting and screenwriting from Northwestern University. So after I graduated, we moved from Chicago to L.A. We've always felt a little too weird for the Midwest, so moving to California was a natural move. We love it here. Yep. So five years ago, we moved to California, and somewhere along the way, this guy started getting this idea about building his own property that's sustainable and off the grid. Just solar panels, rainwater, gray water, etc. I kind of got sick of living in a tiny box and paying rent and having all of these skills that are pretty much just hobbies like gardening and um, plumbing and Plumbing, it's a great hobby. It's not a great, great hobby. hobby. Oh, I wondered what it would be like if we could maybe live off-grid and start applying some of these skills for ourselves to our own lives. Um, I always thought it was a cool idea, but to be totally honest, it was the election that really flipped the switch in me. To be like, no, let's, <laughs> let's stop talking about it. Let's find a way to really actually make this happen. So since then, since 2017... We've been actively working on making it happen. Um, so Vince, why don't you talk a little bit about your vision for the property, uh, why you want the things that you want, your experience and training and skills and that sort of thing. Sure. Uh, my ideal is like a 10 to 40 acre property with the objective of not really seeing people anymore um, and having enough room to farm, but also having enough room for nature. Um, so some of my parameters in an ideal world is to have a seasonal stream running through it, um, to have uh, rolling terrain, uh, to be federal land adjacent, public land adjacent, so there's a reasonable assurance that it's not going to get developed on all sides. Well, and you've always been like a... A nature lover, a naturalist, right? And so you, you've always felt like, it seems like on a, a personal level, like responsible and guilty for the gas that we use when we drive our cars, for the electricity that we use, for the water in LA. Like mm -hmm. the water in Los Angeles has like a long and sordid history of being exploitative and, you know, causing suffering and all, all of these terrible things. And so you've always sort of, I think as long as I've known you, wanted to be able to do something about how you contribute to, I mean, all of the 
issues that we're facing now with climate change and industrialization and all of that shit. So I've also kind of always uh, been suspicious of authority and of infrastructure. Damn the man. And I think we put way too much faith in the world as it is and we don't see that as the source of a lot of these problems like we we blame the gas company or the oil companies for um carbon pollution but really it's us and our individual choices and when you think about water as amy alluded to we basically have uh, all of the hydroelectric power plants in the west powering a reverse hydroelectric power plant that brings water into la And it's really easy for people in L.A. to water their sidewalks when it's hot and not think about the desert that they're creating somewhere else. So kind of what I'm the ethos I'm getting around to is to keep it local. And since we've moved to L.A. or bigger and bigger cities, I see it more and more that we come up with these big city solutions that pretty much just push the problem further out, whether it's further out to sea or to some other state, so much of the infrastructure... Or a third world country. Or a third world country. So much of the infrastructure of L.A. is dependent on sapping the rest of the West dry. And so when I really started to think about that and the environmental guilt, the personal guilt, what it takes to live in a world like this where they teach us to be complicit, where they give us a red herring like recycling and say, okay, this is your contribution we don't even need to get into how ineffective recycling is, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> while we're we're using fresh water from 400 miles away to rinse out our recycling and to flush our waste down the toilet, and there's just so much that that doesn't make sense, especially in the world of of LA where we live in a desert. Yeah. So speaking of water, um, your current job <clears throat> is working in gray water. I work in gray water, which is a surprisingly small industry given the pressing nature of climate change and water scarcity Uh, it's lightly used water um, from washing machines showers tubs some sinks um, that can be reused in your landscape so yeah you have plumbing experience because of that job and other previous jobs in chicago you have Mm -hmm. some electrical experience experience. gardening experience basically you're just like really good at doing things in three dimensions (laughs) Um, sure. I feel like I'm good with time and you're good with space. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. So You're I'm, good with concepts and I'm good with <laughs> hard, hard things. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm also good. What I mean by I'm good with time is I'm good with like planning, basically. Like I've worked as an event planner. I've worked as a like producer for theater shows and things like that. For TV shows, I've been like a production coordinator and stuff. Um, so I feel like one of the things that I'm good at is looking at a huge problem or looking at a huge project and like breaking it down into manageable steps to make sure that you actually get to the end. Because I feel like something as big as this, like buying and building an off-the-grid property, it sounds great, but it, it involves so many tiny steps that it feels insurmountable um, and could amount to just a, a pipe dream. So I think one of the things I'm trying to bring to the table, since you bring all of the like actual experience with the construction and the electrical and the plumbing and all that stuff, I'm hoping that what I'm con- helping contribute at least is uh, that sort of sense of momentum and planning and okay, let, let's figure out what the next step we need to do is. How do we make that happen? Oh, there's a half step that needs to happen before that? Okay, what's that? How do we do that? We need a project manager. Yeah, exactly. I'm the project, project manager. manager. Yeah, exactly. Which makes me feel like I'm productively helping uh, mm-hmm. 
when there's a lot of things that I don't know. I don't know how a lot of those things work and I want to be a part of the process, but I also want to like be true to who I am and my skills and my talents and you know all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of trying to strike that same balance where um you know, it's good to not even know what is possible. It's good to just dream and then talk to somebody else who can help you make that dream a reality. But I often need Amy to pull me back from the edge too that there's the ideal, there's, you know, a completely solar powered, 100% sustainable, but then there's the reality of, of what people are actually doing with land like that. So as we've been looking, it's been sort of enlightening to see what is possible because people are already doing it and how we can improve upon that. Right. Right. Because I mean, if the question is, if you can't do it 100% of the way you want to do it, does that mean that it's better to do it 0%? You know, like, you, but you also don't want to compromise your values either. And so it's right. a matter of what percentage is percentage enough for you to feel like it's still worth doing. Because if you're, if 100% is living up to your values, not doing it at all, 0% is not at all living up to your values. Yeah. You know? So there, there's got to be a way to make it happen that still is true to who you are and what you want. Um, so... In addition to all that, the, like, project manager shit, um, and I, oh, and also, like, all of Vince's ethos about, you know, personal responsibility and living your values and not contributing to the problem, all of that I'm totally down with. Um, but I also have some specific other stuff that I want out of it. Um, like I said earlier, I'm a writer, and I also co-run a theater company called Trap Street. Theater company isn't, like, really the right word. Uh, we do a lot of weird stuff like immersive plays and breweries and radio drama podcasts and short films and other stuff. Um, and we also do artist retreats. So I'd love to have my own place where I can host retreats. Somewhere in the mountains where we can have one large communal space plus some guest cabins or yurts or whatever. Uh, I can do programming and classes and guided writing exercises or meditation and cook communal meals for people, uh, have them be inspired by the magical nature surroundings and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, and it doesn't only have to be artist retreats. Vince could run seminars on how to set up solar panels or a greenhouse or any of the stuff that they can see firsthand on the property when they come to visit for the retreat. Uh, and if we have all that set up already, we might as well open it up to maybe airbnb when we're not running a retreat just to make some money. One of the concerns, of course, about living in the middle of nowhere is how to make money. It's the question that my parents keep asking. Um, and I mean, you know, fuck capitalism, obviously. Super fuck capitalism. But at the end of the day, we'll have to pay a mortgage if we want to hold on to the property, and we'll have to buy materials if we want to build anything on the property. So yeah, maybe an Airbnb would be a way to help do that. I also, like, have a dream of maybe setting up a recording studio eventually in our space uh, to take advantage of being in, like, a really quiet, secluded place. Um, I know all of that sounds really ambitious, and I'm not expecting to have it in its final form anytime in the next 10 years, but I also want to dream big, you know? Like, I've always felt that there's no reason not to dream big. This is, you know, the one life we get, so let's do something awesome. And also, if slash when the shit really does hit the fan, it feels like a really solid idea to have a sustainable off-the-grid property. So, let's drill down and get even more specific. 
what exactly are we looking for? We've been checking out properties on Zillow. Uh, my favorite thing to do lying in bed before I go to sleep is to just open up my Zillow app and like look at different properties. Um, and we've also been driving up to actually check out some in person for about two years now. Uh, so why don't you tell the, the good people about our parameters? Sure. Uh, we are looking for um, ideally public land adjacent. We're looking sort of in the um, Sierra Nevada foothills um, near Sequoia National Forest is kind of the, the epicenter of where we want to be. Um, with rolling topography, generally south facing, if it's a hillside, is best for, for gardening. Um, our range, price range is um, up to $100,000. We're thinking about increasing that. Um, and with a pretty six, well, okay. So we find all these properties for like forty to sixty thousand dollars, right? Like ten to forty acres for forty to sixty thousand dollars, which sounds amazing, right? Um, but what we've noticed is that the reason that they're so cheap is that there's always a catch. It's always a different catch. Like maybe it doesn't have an accessible road, or maybe it's underwater half the year, or. Maybe uh, the we visited one where it was like a such a bumpy dirt road for like, what was it, like two miles or yeah. something that we had to like literally lay down boards over the like ruts to drive our car over it. So that's not super conducive <laughs> to a retreat. Yeah. He took, every time we got to a big hole, he would stop the car, get the pickaxe out of the car, fill it in with rock and dirt, and then we would drive. And, oh my God, it took so long. It was totally untenable. Um, so yeah. We also drive a Toyota Yaris, which God bless her. She's got <laughs> she's pretty good, good clearance baby. for a four-door hatch or two-door hatchback. Yeah. Um, but, but we 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 do plan on getting a, you know a pickup truck or some kind of larger vehicle. Mm -hmm. But if we want it to be a retreat center, if we want it to be an Airbnb, like ideally people need to be able to drive there. It's not very tenable to have a place for people to visit and then have everybody need a four-wheel drive, you know, or we have to pick everybody up. It sounds like a pain in the ass. So we need to strike a delicate balance between seclusion and access. Right. Where I certainly don't want to be living on any of the major state highways of California, which are only going to get busier. But at the same time, they're busy because people are going to see Yosemite um, or any of the national forests. And so we want to be proximal to that. So it's appealing for people to stay at our property on their way to Yosemite. So, yeah. Um, and on a practical level, you might ask, uh, how does a plumber and a struggling writer plan to pay for all of this? Um, during this podcast, I want to be really upfront about every aspect of this and not gloss over or sugarcoat anything. Because... Um, we're trying to tell people about the reality of what we're doing and it sounds very pie in the sky and we're not like made of money. And so I want to be really upfront about like how we manage to do it. The money thing, especially because in this country, money is always such a taboo topic for some reason. It's like not for polite conversation, uh, which is how rich people keep screwing us and how women and people of color make less than their coworkers and don't even know about it because nobody wants to talk about money. So... To be very specific, in two to three years, we have managed to save a little over $40,000, which is, <laughs> on the one hand, so much money and, like, mind-blowing, because I've never had that much money in my whole life, but on the other hand, like, way not enough. So it's this it's this weird middle place to be. Um, but anyway, we were able to save 
that $40,000 by saving eh, like one to $2,000 a month, closer to one, um, for over the course of a couple years. And then just recently, um, my parents did give me a little bit of money as an inheritance from my grandpa. And I will respect their wishes and their Midwestern sensibilities and not say exactly how much because I know they wouldn't want me to. But it was enough to take us from, I think we can do this now, to, okay, let's make this shit happen. Um, the other thing that we're doing is going in on this with Vince's mom, Judy. The 40000 is all our savings. That was all us. Um, but Judy's planning on living with us on the property once we have it. And she's going to help us with, like, monthly mortgage payments, hopefully help with, you know, helping buy materials and that sort of thing. And she's no slouch. She's going to be doing a lot of the physical labor, yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. That's where Vince gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's always been a Cali girl going way back. Um one of nine children and she's sort of very different and free-spirited and that's born on a farm in wisconsin that's obviously where where i get it from um my dad too very free-spirited um but she finally made the move about 10 years ago now we helped her move out to california and so she's been exploring um for the better part of a decade and started out kind of up north but in a very dry place and then found this place outside of napa Um, which has set a really high bar for us. It is just gorgeous. I know Napa is legendary all over the world for its wine, but it's also a really beautiful place to live. Um, Yeah, it's not really like when you say she lives in Napa, it makes it sound like she lives on a vineyard or something, but it's really not like that at all. It's like, it's up in the mountains, there's redwoods, there's no other people around. I mean, there are some vineyards as you drive up the mountain, but it's more of like a Northwoodsy feel than a Italy feel, you know? Right. But the downside is that she's renting because who besides the the landed gentry can afford to buy anything right um so sure she lives in this beautiful place um with this gorgeous view and the mountains and everything but it's you know it's a two-bedroom little house that she's renting and has to pay her asshole landlord like a shitload of money every month and can't make her own improvements and can't grow her own food and only has her backyard not an acre or anything like you know so on the one hand it's idyllic when we come up here but on the other hand it's just a reminder of like how many things it doesn't have and how many things we want to do and want to have for ourselves so you might ask interesting so you plan on living with your mother-in-law and farming with your mother-in-law for the rest of your life huh that's an interesting choice um (laughs) and i mean the first thing i would say is i love judy she's super cool she's super chill she's awesome if i was going to live with anybody it would be her it is hard to imagine living with anybody besides fence but at the same time, it's like, it's also hard to imagine throwing away my money on rent for the rest of my life. It's also hard to imagine living in a one bedroom apartment and not having any space for my like projects for the rest of my, you know, there's also a little weird to think about spending most of your life, you know, working for yourself and not seeing your family. So on the other hand, you know, long term, maybe we want to be close to our family. Yeah. Um, Anything else that you wanted to talk about in this first episode about, like, who we are, what we want? We'll talk in future episodes about, like, our searching process, site visits. There's one place that we visited a few days ago that's, like, a real strong contender for the first time, and we're really excited and have a lot to say about it. But for this first episode, I just wanted to focus on, like, the big stuff. Um, Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, 
many of us, especially in the Midwest, come from a lineage of farmers and of people who worked the land very hard. And they were poor, but the world was smaller, and they owned the land that they worked. And so we have generations, or speaking for myself, I have generations and generations of farmers who spent their whole lives busting ass so that I could get an education and I could get a better job. But I think more and more people in our generation are seeing how these things are distractions and how when you have to work to pay somebody else to manage your money, to raise your kids and to buy and prepare food for you. Yeah, we're so alienated from our labor and from our lives. You're really just missing out on your life. And so when you think, yeah, you're going to you're going to work hard so your kid can have a better life, but you're not going to see them the entire time they grow up. Um so that's sort of part and parcel with this idea of, yeah, we could I could continue to do these really high-end plumbing jobs, you know, for a nebulous financial goal. Or I could be doing these things for myself and feeling the inherent reward of knowing that the food I'm eating is something I grew myself. I know the whole legacy of where it came from, what chemicals, fertilizers were used to grow out where the water came from. So that's something I really value, and I know that my mom does too. Being in that middle generation of someone who did grow up on the farm but was was given that notion of, of a dream and higher education throughout her life as well. And I think we've both kind of swung back on the pendulum now where we have straight jobs, we make our money in the city, but what we really enjoy doing is being outside in the fresh air and getting our hands dirty and and just learning how things work. I admit I'm not as much of the getting my hands dirty type of person. Um, I love the outdoors. I love good views. I love the fresh air. I love not seeing people. The quiet, I love all of that, Um, but I'm not as much about the hard labor, personally. Um, So, obviously, there's some points where I'm going to have to just, like, suck it up and do the hard labor anyway. Um, But then also, hopefully, there are points where, like, I can contribute in other ways. And, you know, that we'll all feel that we, together, our talents have built something that is special and perfect for us. And I think that the notion of customization is really important to me too. I've always, both of us have always really enjoyed like, instead of buying something from the store, we would rather make something because then it can be according to exactly what we want. Like Vince has made a lot of our own furniture because like, okay, we know we need a bookshelf to fit in this space. So I don't want to go to Target and buy, like I love Target, but I don't want to go to Target and buy something, like hope that they have the right thing. Just build it, asshole. Just, Just build, build what you need. Just build the exact size you want. Yeah. Um, I yeah. make a lot of my own clothes because then I know it'll fit me exactly. It'll be exactly my style. I'll get to be creative. And like, I just, we both want to be able to use our imaginations to create something that is exactly what we want, exactly perfect for us, and then make it happen. Just like bring that picture from our minds into a three-dimensional reality. Because I think that process as an artist, as a craftsperson, I mean, that's what life is for me, is like Mm -hmm. imagining something and then making it real. And this is by far the, (laughs) the biggest, most ambitious version of we want something, let's make it happen. And as an artist and seamstress and cook, uh, 
those are really good talents to bring to the table. And I think that gives you a pass on the hard physical <laughs> yeah. labor. There's also this kind of... Well, darn your socks, baby. <laughs> I can also see this kind of spread between the people who come to the property for certain kinds of retreat. There are the indoor kids who sure are going to come up there and as strange as it sounds, pay for the privilege of having their cell phone taken away mm -hmm. to just unplug from the internet and sit outside and, you know, escape into their minds. And I think that's great. There's also this subset of people um, who will pay money to bust ass and also give us their phones and give us free labor. Um, and I'm not just making this up. A lot of our friends, when we talk about the property, say they just want a free vacation. They want to come out and they'll work for us and help us build it if it means they get to be in California and help us make this dream because I know a lot of people feel the same as us and it's a very daunting process. They don't know where to begin. And I guess Amy and I are just lucky enough to have both sides of the picture in equal measure that, that we feel we can handle it. We can do the hard goods. We can do the soft goods. Um, we have the skills, you know, the domestic and the uh, extracurricular <laughs> skills to make it happen. Early mid-30s is sort of that time, I feel like, when you need to start making real decisions about, like, what is your life going to be? Like, what is the rest of your life going to be? You can always reinvent yourself. There's always time. But, like, I don't know. I feel like now is the right time to make a big leap and to start designing the future that we want for ourselves. I can't go into my 40s uh, throwing away any potential for equity. I, I've worked too hard and I have too many talents to not put down roots. And that's okay when you're in your early 20s to just, you know, throw money away every, every month on rent and to move every few years. But it's gotten harder and harder for me to live in a place for only a year at a time. And, and when I leave, leave no trace. Um, and you know, not really improve my own lot at the same time. Right. So this is becoming a lot more critical for me to have something that I can build on year after year. Right. And your mom is going to retire eventually and she wants somewhere to be. And I think, I think in a perfect world, it'll be great for everyone. It's just yeah. going to be a lot of hard work and a lot of luck, I think, to get there. Yeah. Life is hard work and luck. And yeah. This is the way I want to go about it. We'll see if it works for everyone else. Yeah. And I mean, I love an ambitious project. I fucking love getting into something and being way over my head and struggling to figure out how I'm going to make it work. That that's my jam. So I'm not I'm not really scared. I'm mostly excited. Um, Me too. So yeah, I think that'll do for a first I episode. Think so. I think so. Down, you down Let everybody know who we are and what we're doing. Um, in future episodes, we'll talk more about our searching process, what we've been doing. Um, how we, you know, talking to real estate agents, looking on Zillow, all that stuff. Um, this place we visited a few days ago that we're super excited about. Maybe it's the one, maybe it's not. We'll see. Um, so yeah, we'll follow up again with another episode soon and give you some more info. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Happy hunting and watch out for poison oak. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know we were going.